Welcome into the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and on today's episode, I have two questions that I'm going to be looking to address for you. Number one, is college football broken? Number two, can we fix it? I'll have more on that here in just a second. Welcome to the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your daily source for all things college football. And now your host, Christian Hunt. Okay, guys, getting back into what we were just talking about. Is college football broken? And if so, can we fix it? In my opinion, I think college football is not necessarily broken, but I think it's going through a very monumental shift and change in what we're used to, right? Now, there's a lot of problems with what's going on, whether it's the NIL, which we're going to cover in a, in a later podcast, or it's... Uh, you know, whether it's conference realignment, you know, that's the big thing that's kind of going on right now. It's the big topic of conversations that is seeming to go on is conference realignment. Now, I'll tell you this, as far as conference realignment is concerned, could we have prevented as much change in, in everything that's happening in the sport? I think we could have, you know, and, and here's here's how I think we could have prevented this. Number one, I think that the playoffs needed to be expanded. Now, the playoff expansion would have done several things. These the reason why these guys, you know, these teams, USC, UCLA, Texas, Oklahoma, and what certainly seems to be a lot more teams getting ready to move is the reason why they're moving is because, well, let's just let's just call it what it is. They're they're looking for money. They're 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 falling behind in the arms race that the SEC has sort of provided in Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, some of these teams that have won championships over the last few years. And I think that they're realizing, hey, we're falling further and further behind in recruiting. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do to fix it? Well, we need to expand the playoffs. Now, here is what I'm thinking. You can't, you know, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that if you expand the playoffs, you have to expand to the right amount of teams. Now, the other thing with this is TV deals, right? TV deals play a big portion into this. As far as TV deals are concerned, you got to look at the major networks that run college football, your Foxes, your CBS, your ESPN, right, that do a lot more stuff with this. They also do stuff in the NFL. So if they were to go expand the playoffs, that could potentially cut into some of that NFL money that they're making because about that time, that's when the NFL playoffs start, get going, or start to get going. So how do you – if you're a major network and you're broadcasting college football and the NFL, how do we how do we look to capitalize on this, right? Without taking money out of the NFL's pockets. Because you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna run a college football playoff game the same day you've got a uh, NFL playoff game. I mean, it's just not gonna happen. I think the best way to do it, and I, I think the right number of teams to have for a college football expansion is 16. 24 just seems too much, you know, 12. You know, eight, eight and 12 just doesn't seem like enough. And I think 16, right? That way you get the top 15 teams in the country, right? Plus an outlier. And here's the other, and here's how you would do this. Okay, this is exactly why, or it's not why, but this is how you could do this if you were to shift over to a 16-team playoff. The first thing we'd want to do is we would cut down to a 10-game season. So we would eliminate two, two games. Now, this would be a great thing to do because... If you go to a 10-game season and you mandate that you have to play nine conference games, well, you're going to get more premier matchups, which is going to be a lot better for you. You know, you're not going to have the Alabama, uh, 
FCS West school playing every, you know, every other week or whatever have you, right? But this will be good because now you can play more conference games. You get more premier matchups. I mean, look, even college football fans, respectfully, right? They don't want to see uh, Texas versus Arkansas State Community College, right? They just don't want to see it. They want to see Texas, Oklahoma. They want to see Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia. You know, they want to see these premier matchups in college football week in and week out. And this is just, this is fortunately or unfortunately, right? I don't know how you'd say it's unfortunate, but this is how we get there is we have to make these subtle, small changes like this to get college football uh, back on track, right? And you have to appease the traditionalist and you have to appease uh, the people that pretty much are running this like a business. Now, again, like any business, you're going to always look for ways to expand and grow and get better. And this is, I think, simply kind of how it's being done, right? Now, after you go to a 10-game season, you still play your conference championship game. You just move everything back two weeks, right? So you still can start the season, same point. You just move everything back a couple of weeks uh, as far as the conference championship. Once you play the championships, once you've identified the top 16 teams in the country, here's what we do. We throw it over and we have a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Week after conference championships concludes, you know, on the following Thursday, you're going to play two games for, for the playoff, right? So we'll have two games. They kick off. One of, them, one of them will kick off at 4, and one of them will kick off at 7.30. Okay, the next day, Friday, you're going to play three games. That's going to be 11 a.m. kickoff, 3 p.m. kickoff, and a 7 p.m. kickoff. Saturday, same thing. You're going to follow the same time slot as Friday. Uh, again, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. kickoff, right? A week goes by, right? We're going to do one game on Friday night. Now, this round, right, because the, the last round, you know, we're gonna, we're trying to fit th eight games into three days. So now all we got to do is we got to figure out a way to fit four games into two days, which is a lot easier to do. Now what we're going to do is we'll have one game that starts on Friday night at 7. And then on Saturday, we'll have the other three games that are in the same exact time slots as the week prior. Now, once you conclude with that, then we jump back into what we already know, the semis and the uh, final, right? Now, that'll be good for a lot of these teams, like I said, because you've expanded the playoff. They don't have to, you don't have to worry about, you know, guys going out and playing, you know, 17, 18, 19 games or whatever have you, because football, albeit, you know, they're changing that too, but football is still a physical contact sport. And last time I checked, you know, when you go through and you play 16, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 games, especially if you're going through a league where they're, where they're hitting, hitting, you're, you're going to feel that. And it's not going to be a very fun experience, right? So I still think that's how you kind of have to do this. Again, you know, as far as the TV deals and the money and all that stuff, it's really difficult because a lot of the TV networks, and rightfully so, right? Like they don't want to put a, a primetime game at 10, 10.30 on a Thursday, right? That's not a prime viewing slot. Your prime broadcasting spots for these networks is Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday between 11 to 7 p.m. The, the two biggest ones is Saturday and Sunday at 11 to 7 p.m., right? Because that's when people are off work. That's when, you know, they're at home hanging out. And it's just part of, like, I remember growing up, you know, that was, I'd get up early in the morning. We'd watch uh, college game day. Bam. You know what I mean? And then we'd watch football all day. And the same thing on Sunday, right? You'd watch, you'd go to church, come back, watch Sunday, you know, NFL countdown or whatever it was. 
and kind of roll with it. So they have to, you know, it has to make sense. And I think the reason why we haven't expanded yet in the playoffs is because nobody's been able to really put a, uh, you know, nobody's really been able to, to come up with a great plan. It's going to sort of appease the, the, the major networks that run college football, right? Now, let's take a look at this, right? We've got from our resident Florida analyst, I've got Kendall Hunter, who's one of our field reporters down there. And he actually sent me this text. Let me read it to you here. He said, Christian, hey, I get, I'm getting asked this a lot. Who has the best chance of beating Bama this year? Well, that's a great question, and I'll be able to answer that for you, right? I've got four teams. I've been able to identify four different teams that have the absolute best chance to beat Bama this year. Okay, number one, I've got Georgia. Okay, now Georgia, they beat them last year. They lost to them last year too, right? They actually, here's here's some pros and cons to why I think Georgia can beat them. They have to replace a ton, a ton of players on defense. They had eight guys drafted. They had another couple of guys that ended up transferring. So they're going to have to figure some things out on defense. Now they do have a lot of talent still coming back. And to me, what makes Georgia still an elite team is – Kind of what makes Alabama an elite team, if you think about it. You know, these guys, when they get to Georgia, they rotate them in and out. You know, they they have a lot of snaps. They That's why you see a lot of their guys transfer. is because they know, hey, I'm not going to get majority of the snaps. My stat lines isn't going to be the greatest. But when you do that, when you rotate guys in and out, you get them that experience. They've been with the program two or three years. You start to know their name. They start playing in these bigger games. Experience is key in a lot of different factors here. And Georgia has some experience on that defensive side of the ball, even though they just lost a ton of them. And they have talent, too. The second thing I want to see for Georgia in order to be able to keep up and possibly beat Bama is they have to replicate some of that offensive output from last year. Now, they did a great job, I think, last year at, at not getting boat raced by other teams. They did a good job at playing defense. And they also... Like I said, they were able to move the ball and they were able to score last year, which has really kind of hindered them in years past, right? I mean, how many times did it feel like a couple years ago, right, with Georgia where they always played great defense, but man, they were struggling to put 20 some odd points on the board. And then they would get into these games against Bama, some of these more high flying offenses, and they would get kind of boat raced right out of the game. Georgia did a great job last year at being very productive and being efficient when they needed to be. I'll say this, they got to match that from last year. Here's the other, here's the other thing. They got to get all the tight ends on the back. They got to get all the tight ends that they have, which by the way, they have one of the best tight end rooms in the country, bar none. But they got to figure out a way to get all their tight ends on the field. That's figuring out a way to get returning freshman of the year, Brock Bowers. That's figuring out a way to get Darnell Washington, who looks like a man-child out there. And then that's figuring out a way to get former number one tight end in the country, Eric Gilbert, out of Marietta, Georgia, on the field and probably slot him out wide and play him at like an X or a Z wide or wide receiver spot, right? If you can do that, okay, if you can do that right there, Georgia can be dangerous and they can make up for some of their defensive woes. My next team on this list is Texas. Now, Texas is an interesting one because they're going to actually play – they're actually – only team on here slated to play Bama in the regular season this year. They, they play him second game of the year. Here's what I want to see. Here's what I want to see from Texas. Number one, Quinn Ewers has to play lights out. They need to get him going very, very quickly. He hasn't yet to throw a pass in college, but he is one of the most dynamic uh, quarterbacks 
to come out, you know, of a recruiting class in a long, long time. So they need to get him going early and often. The next thing I want to see here is it's a pro and a con. Texas's defense returns a ton of experience from last year. Now, it's a pro because I always am of the belief that if you're talented enough to get to the next level and you can have a lot of guys, you go look at Texas's, uh, their their depth chart for their defense, a lot of seniors. They've got a lot of guys that have played a lot of snaps. And here's the bad side about that, right? You want good experience. You want guys that get in, they get into a rhythm, and they're they're producing, and they're and they're coming up, and they're making big plays. If you got guys that kind of are getting boat raced, and I, I use this word a lot, but if they're getting blown by or boat raced, you know, and guys are running, you know, running down their throats, or they're getting you know eighty yard touchdown bombed on them, that's not the kind of experience we necessarily want, right? Because I do believe there is a sports psycho- uh, psychology side to this. But they do have a lot of defensive uh, experience from last year. Now, here's the other interesting part of this, okay? They, they have two of the most dynamic playmakers in the country coming in or coming back this year. They've got Xavier Worthy at wide receiver, and they've got Bijan Robinson at running back. Now, to me, Robinson can easily win the Heisman this year if he can put up some, some pretty good numbers and Texas can, can keep it rolling. And again, with Worthy, right? Xavier Worthy. If he, if Ewers gets hot early, man, he could have a, he could have a big seat. He could double his numbers from last year, and he put up about 900 yards last year. So I think look for that. It's going to be interesting to see can Ewers be kept upright and get the ball to the playmakers, right? That's all it is about. Now, my next team on the list is Ohio State. Ohio State was one of the most productive offenses in the country last year. They have two guys that I really think are going to be, they're going to be great professional players one day, right? And that's C.J. Stroud and Travion Henderson, right? Here's what they've got to do. It's this simple. they got to keep those guys on pace from last year. If they can keep that production up that they had last year and they can avoid a sort of trap game, whatever have you like that, they're going to be, they're going to be okay. Now, the defense did actually really well last year. They came in 38th last year in total defense. But what I want to see the defense do this year, they need to step that up a little bit. They need to be more productive, and they need to try to get inside of the top 20. And how they do that is they need better play out of their linebackers and out of their defensive line. they got to go get after guys. Look, at the end of the day, I feel like every year, a couple of people from Ohio State ended up getting drafted from their secondary. Secondary is not the problem, but you have to be able to go get after the quarterback in this league to go to go make something happen, right? Now, my last point with Ohio State here, they got to avoid the trap games. I know I alluded to that a little bit ago, but it seems like every year they play one of these smaller schools uh, like Minnesota or somebody like that. And I know some people out there are saying Minnesota is not a small school. I, I get that, right? But they're a school that Ohio State should blow out of the water. And they always keep it close. And then just, I don't know, it's just those close games, you know, as a, as a when you're a heavy favorite, that starts to take the wind out of you a little bit the further that game goes on. So they got to avoid any and all trap games this year. Last team on my list is Clemson. Now, Clemson had one of the best defenses in college last year, right? Uh, not named Georgia, not named Georgia, right? They had a really, really good defense. Here's the thing. Their offense has got to be way better. Their production on offense was terrible. You go back and look at uh, quarterback DJ Ungalei stats. He did not do what he needed to do. And honestly, that reflects why they 
you know, struggled last year so much, right? He's got it. And, and when we talk about offensive production, what I mean by that is, is this, right? Their offensive line has got to play better. DJ, you know, has got to be a better quarterback, right? He's got to, he's got to do a great job at stepping up and being able to make these plays. What I think happened with him was last year they played Georgia in the opening game. I think they got shell-shocked in that opening game on offense. And I think that messed with his, you know, the sports psychology thing we talk about. I think that messed with him for the rest of the year. He just was not able to really find a clean rhythm after that. Now, when we're talking about this, they've got two guys that I want to highlight here. They've got Joseph Ngata, and they've got Will Shipley, who's a running back, right? is a wide receiver, by the way. They need to get those guys productive, and they need to get them going, but they need other guys that they can lean on. I mean, right, they need a, a true number two and number three wide receiver, whether that be a tight end, whether that be, uh, you know, a slot receiver, you know, running back, whatever have you. They need, they need some other guys to step up and, and carry some of the weight for them. If they can do that, if they can step up, get some of these guys to start carrying that weight, Clemson has a real chance to beat Bama. And I think they they might do it because they're going to get back to it. Now we talked yesterday about their defense. Okay, their defense, from all accounts, from what I've seen last year, was lights out. They were a top five D. Here's the other great thing that Clemson did: their defensive line is stacked. We talked about it yesterday on the podcast. They had 24 sacks and five turnovers. Listen, if you can get to the quarterback. That hides a little bit of inexperience in the back, right? You know, you got to do, you got to, to be good, to have a good defense in college football, you got to have a great front seven. You know, if you've got a great secondary, like you see all these, uh, you know, Big 12 and Pac 12 guys in the secondary go, a lot of time that's because they know they can't get to the quarterback and they're about to be uh, throwing the ball a lot. So they get really good at it. And, and Clemson does a great job at having, at all three levels, just a ton of talent and a ton of experience. So those are my four teams I've got picked and slated that could possibly beat Bama. They just have to do these little things right. Now, with that being said, we're actually going to be introducing, for the first time on the show, a brand new segment. Okay, guys, here in just a second, we're going to be getting into Cruton Talk, right? Now, I'm going to have a little more with some Cruton Talk here in just a second. Flat Rock Sports presents Cruton Talk. All right, guys, welcome back in. Again, this is Cruton Talk with your host, Christian Hunt. Now, here's here's the big thing I want to talk about with this, right? We're going to be talking about some general recruiting going on, and I got some, some things we need to get to here. Well, I've got 2023 five-star Peter Wood, okay? He's from Alabama. He's a defensive tackle, and he just committed to Clemson. That's a huge loss for Alabama as they were really hoping to land this kid, right? They needed a win. Right now, they're kind of down in the recruiting rankings. We'll get to that here in just a second, but they're... They needed a big-time win, and this feels like a big-time win for Clemson on the other side of it, right? Now, Clemson, we just talked about their defensive line. They have a ton of talent. It seems like every year they get all the best defensive linemen, right? You go back to Grady Jarrett, who's with the Falcons now. He played at Clemson, right? You've got Brian Brees. You've got all these guys, and the list goes on, right? It just goes on. So this is a huge win for Clemson continuing to be dominant in defensive line recruiting. Uh, next up on the list, you know, some of my SEC fans are going to love this, okay? We've got 2023 five-star Chadavian Bradley out of Missouri. He's an edge linebacker, and he actually committed to Tennessee. Now, this is interesting because Tennessee, this is their second 
five-star player to recruit in this class. This actually has moved them up to the number five recruiting class in the 2023 cycle. All my friends down in uh, the Nashville area and everything like that, hey, GBO, right? Now, look, let's, let's look at it this way. We've got tw- another interesting story here that happened a few days ago. 2024 five-star Desmond Ricks, okay, he's a cornerback uh, in the 24 class. He's the number two player in the class behind Arch Manning. He said Florida State stopped recruiting them. They stopped calling. They stopped trying to contact him. They stopped trying to make this dang thing happen, right? Look, if you're Florida State and you're wondering why you've gone 8 and 13 over the last two years and why there's been a significant, significant decline in the production from the last two years under Mike Norvell, this is why you have got, you have got to land these guys. It is as simple as that. You cannot stop recruiting. You have to be, you have to literally recruit them until they tell you to stop. Buyer's order or restraining order, am I right? That's what they say in sales anyways. So Florida State fans, if you want to get relevant again, get on your coach because if this keeps up, Norvell won't be there very long, right? Let's take a look at some of the other uh, happenings right now and some of the, the bigger picture stuff with who's leading recruiting. Right now, number one on the list for 2023 recruiting, you've got Ohio State. And keep and keep in mind, by the way, this is nothing set in stone yet. These guys have not signed anything. They've just verbally committed to these schools. This is just kind of keeping an eye on it according to 24-7 sports. So number one, you got Ohio State. Right? They've got 18 total commits. They've got two five-star players in there. Number two, you've got Notre Dame. Now, I know we've talked a little bit about Notre Dame on the podcast. They've got one five-star commit, and they've got 19 overall commits. Number three, we've got Clemson, who we just alluded to. They have two five-star commits, and they have 17 total commits in their class. At number four, I've got Texas. We covered them on the first episode of the podcast and what they've been able to do. They have 18 total commits, three five-stars. Okay, so they're they're leading the way there. Now, we're looking at number five, and this is a team we, again, just talked about, Tennessee. Right, Tennessee is climbing up the boards fast. They just need to get one or two more guys, and I think they submit their legacy uh, inside of the top ten this this year, right? But they've got two five star, uh, you know, two five star athletes committed already, and they have a total of eighteen commits. Now, looking ahead here, you know, who's kind of outside of the top ten? What are some surprising moves? At number eight, you've got Georgia, right? They're always. It seems like. Historically, they've been a top three recruiting class, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. They're at number eight. They have one five-star. They've got 13 commits. That's the kicker here, right? Georgia and Alabama, you know, they're they're the kind of teams where they do a lot of recruiting throughout the year, and it ain't done, and they're going to be looking to flip some of these guys, right? They don't stop, right? They don't stop. So here's the other side of this. You've got Arkansas, who's right behind Georgia, which is kind of, kind of shocking, but Arkansas has... 22 commits to Georgia's uh, 13, so they got a lot of they got a lot of people in Sam Pittman's class this year. That's good. Miami is in the top 10. That's also really good. Uh, they have one five star uh, currently locked down right now, and that's good. And Miami's climbing up. I'm telling you, Miami's doing it right. They're they're kind of moving up the board here. Now Alabama has 11 commits, and they they do have two five star players, but they're coming in right behind Oklahoma at number 12. I think. Like I said, I think Alabama and Georgia, they're going to end up moving up the board. You're going to see a lot of moving throughout the year. And to me, that just adds to the interest uh, that you see every year in, in college football recruiting going up. So but it's, going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out through the year 
And I'll also say this, right? We're going to be throwing it over to another segment right now that I'm going to be doing, and that is Hunt's Hot Seat Rankings, okay? Pretty much what I'm going to be looking at is every week I'm going to be trying to look for, hey, who's on the hot seat? It may not necessarily be who's on the hot seat right right now, but who could potentially be on the hot seat? And we're going to rank them 1 to 10. Now, with that being said, I'm going to throw it over there so you guys can enjoy Flat Rock Sports presents Hunt's Hot Seat. Hey guys, welcome into Hunt's Hot Seat. Now, what this is, is this is my take on just college football hot seats, you know. Now, there's some obvious guys out there that we're going to get into. But right now, one one guy I want to talk about, and I don't, I'm not gonna, he's not necessarily on any hot seat right now, right? Again, we're going to rate this from a 1 to a 10. 1 being Nick Saban, 10 being, well, we'll, we'll get to number 10 here in a little bit, right? But... Here's who here's who I've got. I've got Jimbo Fisher on my episode of Hunt's Hot Seat this you know this week. Jimbo Fisher is not on the hot seat, right? But he's not on the hot seat because of what he did last year. He did two things really well last year, okay? Number number one thing he did, he beat Alabama. That's got to feel good. Whenever you can go in and beat your former boss, that has got to feel amazing. But the second thing he did was he signed the number one recruiting class last year. Look, here's the here's the reality of the situation. When Texas A&M brought Jimbo Fisher in from Florida State five years ago, they said, look, we're going to pay you whatever it takes to win here. We're going to pay you a bunch of money to win us some championships and to get us relevant again, right? They also said, we're going to give you an unlimited budget. It's, you know, we just want to see some production first. But we're going to give you an unlimited budget. Now, with NIL popping up, look, they paid Jimbo a lot of money. And they also paid a lot of money for this recruiting class. I put Jimbo right now on my hot seat indicator. I put him probably to about a probably about a three or a four, right? He's very safe with it. You know, I, I think the beating Alabama signing the number one class, that bought him some time. But this is the reason why I think that can change extremely quick. Like I just said, they gave him a lot of money and they just spent a lot of money on that class. Here's what they're gonna be looking at. I want to paint a picture for you going forward. Let's say two or three years from now, Florida State isn't competing for, an, or sorry, not Florida State, Texas A&M is not competing for an SEC championship. Nick Saban and, and, and Georgia are still running college football. You just signed the best recruiting class and got all this money and you can't even win the SEC? Come on now. Now, here's a way that I think, honestly, we could see that be a reality, right? They, they, they're going to have to this year, they're going to have to figure out a way, uh, you know, they're going to have to figure out who's going to be their quarterback this year. So what I mean by that is they've got two options. They've got Haynes King who played in one game last year for him. He threw for 300 yards. It was, it was against a nobody school. Okay. It was against a very uh, overpowered school that they played and he still threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns. He got hurt the next game after two passes, right? So we have yet to really see what this guy can do. Then you bring in Max Johnson from LSU. Now, Johnson's an interesting piece of this because he struggled at LSU, and he was kind of back and forth. They had some quarterback issues down there, right? So my thing is they've got some talented guys, but they need some consistency in there, right? Who, who They understand this is not their year. They're, they're putting all the chips and all the eggs into next year. This is more of like when Joe Burrow transferred over to LSU, he had that 
that one sort of okay year. Nobody thought he was setting the world on fire. And then he came out and lit college football up the next year. This is what I liken it to, right? They have got to get somebody in there, let them play, let them develop, let them grow and stick with them. And then I guarantee you in 2024, they have a chance to get going. They have a lot of youth on their defensive side of the ball and at certain skill positions at, at A&M. And I'm telling you, they can get them experience, get them in the game, rotate them in and out. They're going to be one of the deepest teams in college football in a couple of years. And honestly, they should be beating Bama in a couple of years consistently. And that could force Saban to retire. But if they don't, if they don't figure this quarterback situation out and they mishandle this and they are not competing, for an SEC title a few years from now. I have a feeling all that money that they spent on Jimbo Fisher, they're going to want that back because he's going to be a seven or an eight on the hot seat at that point, right? I'll give you one last analogy for this, right? To really drive the point home. When you go out and you get a guy like Jimbo Fisher, it's like running a business, right? Let's say your business you know, starts to miss out on some productivity a little bit, right? So the business starts sliding in productivity. You're not as profitable, whatever have you, right? So you go out and you hire a, a consultant. You say, well, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you whatever it takes to get my productivity back up and to get our profits back up, right? But I just want you to know I have the expectations that within a year, our productivity is here. I want it to be up here, okay? Because we're, we're going to be paying a lot. And we're going to pay whatever it takes to get us there, right? Eight months goes by. Your productivity went from here to here, right? You get to the year mark, your productivity is here, right here, but you just, you know, and then in hindsight, you never get it past there and you don't get to here. You're going to be really upset that you paid that individual all that money to not finish and not get your productivity, your profit, whatever have you, to your expectations. And that's exactly how Texas A&M, uh, Texas A&M fans are going to feel if Jimbo Fisher can't at least win the SEC and get them into the college football playoff. Anyways, guys, with that being said, that's actually going to wrap up this episode of the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. Now, I know we say this all the time, but if you guys could do us a huge favor here at the show and hit the like button down below, do me a favor, comment on the video too, right? And just let us know how we're doing. Give us any feedback. We'd love to have that from you. And lastly, hit the subscribe button, right? It really helps us out. It helps the algorithm out. Here's the other thing that we really like enjoy doing for you here, right? We enjoy being able to provide daily college football content, and that would really help us be able to continue our dream to do that for you. With that being said, as always, I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and we'll catch you next time.